What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Garrel Valley here, and I gotta tell you, I get so freaking fired up when that guitar comes on. That's my friend John Speck. I've been listening to his music since probably 1992 or something like that. You can look up Horse H O A R S E. That's uh, they were on RCA Records. Uh, the Hi-Fi Hand Grenades. They opened for like the Foo Fighters and stuff. They just wail a little bit more punk rock. The Fags a little bit. Uh, the, uh, the guy's a musical genius. My favorite songwriter in Detroit. That that song puts goosebumps on me. It's been the opening track of everything I have ever done publicly. Like the TV show in 07. Freaking spec was on that. Guy's amazing. So, John, if you're listening, thank you for getting me fired up for so much of my life. And please continue to do so. And you, thank you for watching the show, man. Or listening or whatever you're doing. You know, I, I love bringing you information just to make you think. I love bringing you the, some of the most amazing guests on the planet. Been doing it since 2010 to inspire you to get off your damn couch and make life happen. Because nothing happens until something moves. And that something is you. You have to move. You have to take action to make changes in your life. And my guest today, we've been friends 30 years, over 30 years. She has freaking changed the world, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. She changes the world. She helps people, uh, 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 so many different people throughout her personal evolution. We're going to get into that a little bit. But, you know, wherever you're watching this, if something impacts you, something you think Somebody you know, somebody who's close to you, they need to hear it, share it with them. Send them the link. Let's let's continue to make positivity go viral. Let's continue to lift each other up. Rising tide raises all ships. Look at that. I'm so full of cliches this morning. Yeah, write them down. Whatever. But anyway, get your notebook ready, and I want to introduce you to uh, my dear friend, Sarah Kretzky, and I know it says Rossington. It's okay. I can still be Sarah Kretzky. (laughs) (laughs) I've always known her as Sarah Kretzky, but she has married a pretty incredible individual, Don, who uh, actually I had him scheduled to come on about a year ago, and then he got sick, and then he had to fly home. So, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to come on in. How are you doing today? Good. It's so good to see you. I'm so – I always get so excited to hear you. Like, it just pumps me up. Like, for real. Like, you're just the best. So, cool. thanks. Well, I Love think the here. same about you. Thank so. you. And we were just talking because, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago or a little while ago, Sarah hosts a podcast as well. And we'll talk about that in the third segment today. And I was a guest on her show. And, and we fill up an hour like it's, it's nobody's business. Yeah, for sure. We could just talk and talk. Yeah. So we're going to be a, a little bit structured today because, like I said, her and I could talk for Hours and you guys would be like, wow, it's totally interesting. You would not hang up the phone, hit pause, shut off the thing. You wouldn't do that because it's always interesting. Um, and, and I keep learning about you. I, as I listen to your show, I keep learning more and more Thank about you. you. Yeah. And I really wanted to open the show with some things you went through in high school that I had no clue about. Can you talk about high school a little bit and some challenges there? Yeah, so I got diagnosed with dyslexia when I was a senior in high school. A senior. A senior. It was it was actually super crazy. I how actually I was a Michigan Dyslexia Advocate of the Year in 2010. I would go around Michigan and uh, talk about dyslexia and and help kids understand like what to do and like how to advocate for themselves and parents and giving them tips and things like that. But what, one of the main things I would say was, like, I would try in high school and I would get a D, 
or I didn't do anything. I got a D, so I didn't do anything. So dyslexia, because you know we hear sort of what it is. Can you like sum it up in an in like a a, a quick little synopsis? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm gonna tell you my my story because I think that everyone has it a little bit different. I um, had a very difficult time reading and writing. I would forget endings of words. I can't spell to save my life. Um, I have amazing auditory recollection. So um, like for me with dyslexia, it was I would forget endings of words, um, like words that were similar. So like through, thorough, those kind of words that I'm like, I have no idea what word this is. I still have a hard time with it. I have to like really look at it in a contextual way to understand what it is. Um, So that's really what it is for me. I mean, I could talk about like how I got through school. (laughs) <laughs> how I did that and uh you know and I, because I was on a third grade reading level my senior year of high school and and you said you know if you tried you'd get a d if you didn't try you'd yes, get a d totally. so uh, you know what changed from your senior year in high school moving into college because you know when we met we met uh, around 1990 91 we yeah. were both going to Wayne State yeah. amazing time did something change there? Because I'm sure you didn't get D's all through college. N- no. <laughs> like, I'm a hyperachiever, so that's super hard for me. No, so what happened was, actually, my junior year of high school, I heard someone giving a speech about dyslexia in my in my speech class, of all things, which was the best class I ever took because I could just talk, which was my thing. So, um, and I was, like, like, ticking down all these things. She was, like, talking about how she would count the number of people like when she was in elementary school she would count the number of people um and then she would reread the paragraph you know how like when we were in elementary school everyone would be reading and like you everyone would get a paragraph Mm -hmm. so like she would count to figure out where she would be and then she would wouldn't listen to anybody and she would reread the paragraph so she didn't stumble as much as she would i did that and then she also talked about which i thought i was like super sneaky i would count and wait to go to the bathroom when it was my turn to read. So I didn't have to read in front of people. So like those were two clues. And so at 17 years old, I called Michigan Dyslexia Institute and scheduled an exam for me to take to find out if I had dyslexia. Like my parents were like, no, you just talk too much. You're too social. You hang out too much. You go out all the time. You, you know, you are at places you probably shouldn't be, which they didn't say, but I was. And, you know, and they just thought it was a, it was a me problem. Like it was a me social problem. I just wasn't trying and didn't care. And um, I like walked to the exam because my mom and I got into a fight and I had $300. It was $300. I remember it went to 1989. I had $300 in my pocket and I was walking there and I was like, I'm paying for this exam and I'm going to take it. And um, my mom like ended up finding me on Orchard Lake Road by my house and um, drove me there. And then I took it, took the exam and stuff. And then they like went through everything. And, you know, if you have IQ tests, which I usually don't really like IQ tests in general, but you could see that there was a huge learning discrepancy because my auditory IQ was 160, but my reading IQ was 80. Mm -hmm. And so um, I did something which I didn't ever really talk about because I felt like it was embarrassing, but I went to a tutor three times a week, my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. I talked my way into Wayne State. I told the guy he could put me on academic probation so that um, I could go to college because I decided I wanted to go to college. And he agreed to do it. And I went to a tutor where I literally 
put my hands in sand and lit- like would trace out letters in the sand or like shaving cream and like I like was always like that's what noise that those letters put together are and so she would help me with like very basic like I was doing first and second grade work to learn that and so three days a week for at least two years and then I think I slowed it down um, my sophomore junior year and then I think I just went in once in a while when I had like big papers due and yeah so that's (laughs) that's what I did. Incredible. Incredible. And ironically, on, on Monday, I had dinner with a, a wonderful friend of mine, and his wife is a tutor for people with dyslexia. Oh, really? And we were just talking about this because she, like you opened with, each each case is sort of individual. Yeah. And it's not standardized. You can't just go and YouTube a video. And, and I mean, it might help, but one-on-one help, tutoring help, you know, things like that, because each person handles it differently to to, to understand it. Totally. And like, I'm so grateful to my parents that they were able to afford, and I understand there's, that's tons of privilege that I, that they're able to afford to pay for me to go to a tutor three days a week, because my guess now it'd probably be $300 a week in this day and age of what it would cost. And, um, you know, in schools, and I know we're going to talk about that later. I was a teacher, but in schools, they do not teach or, or really recognize dyslexia. They just lump it into uh, generalized learning disabilities. Mm-hmm. And it's a very different thing. And so if I could tell anyone who wants to know anything about dyslexia, if you have a child with dyslexia, if you have it, if you have anything like Orton Gillingham is the way to learn the best way for people who have dyslexia to learn. And so, um, you know, so dyslexia, uh, Michigan Dyslexia Institute um, is everyone who's tutors with them is trained in Orton Gillingham. Right on. I heard Albert Einstein was dyslexic. Did he, you tell me that? I might have. He was. Yeah. There's. I mean, there's lots of people who are dyslexic. Some of the smartest people have have dyslexia. Learning well, disabilities. and it doesn't that it could be mistaken for not being that bright. You yeah. know, like you you said, you know, your your auditory IQ is 160. Your uh, reading or, or whatever standardized, like some of the IQ things, there's 80. Yeah. Like what a huge disparity. Yeah. But it really it, it had nothing to do with your brain. Right. Ultimately, uh, it had to do with the way you understood what you processing. were looking at. Yeah. So it's a processing issue. Wow. Right. Wow. So, I mean, I'm sure if I took an IQ test now, which I have no plan on doing, but if I was like my auditory IQ probably wouldn't be nearly as high as it was because now I've sharpened other skills. And um, how I passed high school actually was I listened to, I never took notes, but I listened to my teachers. I actually did this most of college too. I listened to teachers or professors and I would then write down verbatim what they said, even if it was spelled wrong, but they knew exactly what I was saying because it was verbatim what they said in there. It's very interesting because in college, uh, I took art history as just like, oh, let's, you know, I'm a, I'm an artist. I'm going to learn about history. And Sybil Mintz, I'll never forget her name. Sybil Mintz was my instructor. I had Sybil Mintz too. Oh, she's <laughs> awesome. But I got like 99.9% in her classes because that's the way I learned the best by multiple touch points. I was watching slides, listening yes. to her talk and writing. Yeah. And that's what worked for me. And when individuals can realize what works for them, 
whatever that is, if it's more auditory and taking notes, if it is nothing, just sitting there and focus, whatever that is, when you find that sweet spot, yeah. you're like, wow, I'm not a dumbass. Like it, it, totally. it, it, it opens up a whole new uh, can of worms. For sure. And for me, I know, and I think a lot more learners, you know, need this and they don't do it enough in schools is kinesthetic. Right. Like that is the way I actually learn the best is by doing and touching. So the thing with Orton Gillingham and being dyslexic, which was super cool. The reason why I was able to learn phonics was because I actually was touching like I was drawing in sand the letters and doing things like that. And so that for me was that was it. I mean, that really worked for me. And figuring that out, you know, but it is challenging, you know, when mm-hmm. it's a one-on-one basis and there's not a standardized type thing and that most because it's a numbers game in in my opinion in schools they will say, "Oh, we're just lumping you into this category." Right. And then, you know, as we I mean, we've all experienced it when somebody says this is how who you are, this is what you have. You have a tendency to believe that unless you're going to go outside the box and investigate. Totally. And I and I think that schools really um, and, I, and I feel like I can say this because I taught for so long, but schools really do not service most kids because most kids should be learning more kinesthetically and outside and doing more of that than just sitting and memorizing and all of the things, at least especially when we were in school, because it was like desk were facing one direction. You were watching the the teacher was a sage on stage and you were just that that was everything. There was no like cooperative learning at all. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, we're coming down to the end of the first segment with Sarah Kretzky Rossington. How about that? How about that? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I really think we've touched on something that we could talk about even more because uh, learning and figuring it out. You know, I, I didn't figure out the best way for me to learn until college. And in third grade, my mom got called into school and they're like, I think Gerald might have something wrong with him. He just stares out the window and daydreams and he doesn't he doesn't respond to me. Yeah, I was deaf in my right ear and nobody figured it out till the third grade. But they were going to put me in like special learning and stuff because I would I my last name ends with a V. So I was on that side of the room. So my right ear would be facing the teacher and I wasn't hearing anything. Right. And it's it's just when certain things get figured out, dyslexia, deafness, whatever that is, it's awesome. It, it's a whole new world. But if you just get lumped into one category, you know, a learning disability. Yes. But we're going to be back in a minute, actually, next segment with Sarah Kretzky. And I'll tell you what, I hope you're taking notes. I, if you think you may have dyslexia, rewind this thing. Write down some of the resources that uh, Sarah suggested. You are awesome. Thank Thanks. you so much for being here. And thank you guys for listening, man. And like I said, share it with everybody. Let's continue to make positivity go viral. And, you know, this show reaches a lot of people on a lot of different levels, and I can't thank you guys enough. So thank you for watching, listening, wherever you're hearing this right now along this great globe. And I am Gerald Daly. That's Sarah Rossington, and this is The Drop-In.